What's going on, Built and Buffalo fam? Welcome back to another Off the Edge. We're back after a one-week hiatus. Little complicated. It was my birthday actually last week, so I was unable to be around to actually do the show. But we are back this week. Unfortunately, Keem's not with us, but we do have another good guest with us today. You know him as uh, as witty, not not funny sports uh, from Built in Buffalo. Matt, we'll bring him on in a second, but a great show coming up. Off the Edge starts right now. Built in Buffalo fam, Bills Mafia, what is going on? It's a Saturday night here, 7 o'clock, first Saturday show we've done. We used to be Wednesdays, now we're Saturdays. As I mentioned right in the beginning there, I know a lot of people were still hopping on, but as I mentioned, we weren't alive last week with a lot of crazy things. It was my birthday last week, so I was just doing things with family, going around just doing many different things, with, especially with the holiday going on as well. But we're back this week. It's going to be a great show. Obviously, Akeem's not here tonight, but we do have... Do, how do you want me to introduce yourself? By the, introduce you, by the way. Do you go witty? Do you go Matt? You know, what? How do you want to be? You introduce yourself. Give a tell everybody who you are, where they can find you. A lot of people probably already know you from Built in Buffalo, but just give yourself a quick rundown. Um, how you doing? Oh, thank you, Ben. That's a that's a great introduction. Uh, you can just address me as Matt. Uh, most people do, but uh, I am half of Witty Not Funny Sports on Thursday nights on. The Built in Buffalo Network, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, hopefully, you've tuned into our show. Uh, we try to, for those who haven't, try to give a little bit of a different take on Bill's talk. Uh, we're not really X's and O's, and uh, we're more like vibes and eye tests. And we try to be a little funny and comedic at the same time. And you know, sometimes it's goofy, sometimes it's not. But if you did uh, tune in, uh, we been live i think for about a month now so if you have tuned in thank you we always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time we greatly appreciate it uh if you appreciate kind of not the dozens and dozens of shows that that talk about the bills and route trees and all that stuff and we talk about nonsensical stuff and uh that that's what you get when you do when you not funny sports now um Ben, I think first and foremost, happy birthday. I didn't even know it was your birthday, but I guarantee you when you blew those candles out, your wish was not for me to be your guest host this week, but I will take it and I appreciate being off the edge. Uh, I'm on the edge about the bills because at six and six, it's not great to be at this point uh, in the season, but uh, I'm ready to talk about it. So thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people are with you on that. They are on the edge. It's funny enough that everybody's going to be watching off the edge right now. Um, but, yeah, but before I get into just the bills and everything, I do want to say, yes, go check out all of the Built in Buffalo stuff, including Witty Not Not Funny. Great stuff over there. They do give you, you know, like like Pete Matt said, a little bit of a different take on things. It's not just always the X's and O's. It's, always, it's also about looking at things in different ways. It helps, honestly, even for somebody who, me, when I look at the bills, I'm very X's and O's. But when I listen and I tune in or whatever, it does kind of give me a different different just perspective on things, a different different way to look at just the bills and just 
football in general, really. So it, it helps, I think, especially when teams are struggling, your team's struggling, when the Bills are struggling. It's nice to be able to, you know, not be so serious all the time about the Bills. So be sure to go check it out over there, Built in Buffalo YouTube, where maybe you're watching us right now, maybe you're on Facebook, wherever, just be sure to tune in. You've definitely seen some of the tweets by uh, Matt and everybody. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's pretty, pretty good. So you definitely know, maybe not, maybe not recognized right away, but if you go check it out, maybe you'll know that you've already checked them out before. Um, but we got a great show for you guys tonight. Got a lot lined up, might not even get to it all. It's a bye week, kind of a weird week. Bye weeks are a little bit different, with especially when you're talking about the Bills, because it's a late one this year. So the season's already kind of unfolded a lot, right? We've already know a lot about the Bills. It's not, oh, well, it's early in the year. Let's try to get healthy, move on, get ready for the second half of the season. It's really just get ready for the final stretch of the season. Um, but before we get into the final stretch, I do want to talk about this past week's game, which... I mentioned my birthday was on my birthday this game. I just happened to be celebrating the night before as well. So it wasn't exactly the best birthday gift. I kept on saying, you know, that was my birthday wish was the Bills to win. Bills did not. It was a tough overtime loss, 37-34 to the Eagles, who now they moved to 10-1. and Bills dropped to 6-6. Six and six. And I'm just going to bring up David's comment here because I saw it pop in here. It's a funny one. The, the Bills by the bye week is a break for all the fans. And I think a lot of fans, especially after this Eagles, games, Eagles game, needed it. Um, so I'm just going to start you off real simple, Matt. Just what were your overall thoughts of the game? Did you, did you know you might have a lot of different feelings about it, different thoughts, but what just – Afterwards, after the game thoughts, what are your just initial reaction to this 37-34 loss? Yeah, I think uh, my first reaction was, uh, what are the five stages of grief? It's like acceptance and all all this stuff. I think I went through every stage of grief during the Sunday game. Um, A lot of different thoughts. When the game ended and we lost, uh, half my brain was like, not again, right? The Bills just cannot find a way to finish a game, whether it's a close one-score game or an overtime game. I think they're 0-6 now in overtime games in the Josh Allen-McDermott era. Um, I think McDermott himself is like 0-9 or something. Like They just cannot figure out a way to close a game. And then the other half of my brain was like, oh, this is kind of positive Like with the offense and like if the Bills – did what I thought they should have done. If you've been a viewer of our show, I've been calling for Ken Dorsey's job for about six weeks now. And if they did it when I said it, not to puff out my chest and take a victory lap here, but again, we're a comedy show. So when we get something right, we kind of like to, to, uh, to run with it, if you will. Uh, And they installed Joe Brady earlier. We probably would have beat the Patriots. We probably would have beat the Broncos. Uh, it wouldn't have been so close against the Giants and sweating. Uh, we probably even beat the Jaguars, honestly, because in the fourth quarter when they decided to play their game, uh, they were the better team. So that's the difference between six and six and eight and four, probably, possibly. So, and if they were eight and four, seven and four, whatever, going into that Eagles game, then, and we ended up seven and five right now, I, I think it's a different conversation because. They're on the brink of missing the playoffs. I think if they even go four and one on these last five games, it's like a 70% chance or something, 60% chance. Uh, I was seeing some stats on X Twitter today. Uh, So I just, this team is 
maddening. I feel bad for Bills fans because it's like, I don't know whatever what other fan bases go through. They don't go through this. That's let's just say that they don't go through this week after week and year after year. Um, I know you watch NFL games, Ben, other other NFL games, not as intently as we watch the Bills, of course, but I I don't think I recall even in the let's say the last five years a team that I watch on national television like lose so mind-numbingly dumb as the Bills do, whether it's a five foot six oh he is Zacharias or whatever his name is jumping over Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer or if it's <laughs> Hal Murray part two with Jalen Hurts and it's it's just they find ways to lose and it's maddening and kneeling down at 20 seconds left and one timeout it's just, I mean I don't I don't know if we have enough time for me to rant but <laughs> that, that, I, I don't know where my head's at uh, going yeah. into the stretch of the season here I think the only other team that I've seen lose in crazy ways like this um, is the other Buffalo sports team, the Buffalo Sabres, which is also, it's just, it just alludes to the point of people thinking this city's cursed with sports teams that we can't win. A lot of people are starting to talk about now how the Bills stadium was built on that, that burial grounds that, you know, that that maybe when the stadium moves and everything will be fine. We'll have to see once the stadium moves. If If you look at the Buffalo historical records, uh, the, Founder of Buffalo, Angus T. Buffalo, that's fake. This is all fake, by the way, uh, wrote in the bylaws of the city of Buffalo when it was founded, uh, there cannot be two good sports teams at the same time. Uh, he did not write there could be two bad sports teams at the same time. So that's on him. That's on the founder of Buffalo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it really just does sometimes feel like like this team is hopeless no matter what, no matter how much talent they have, that they're they're just going to somehow find a way to lose. Somehow. This was another one of those games where I think a lot of Bills fans, maybe not the younger fans. I mean, I know I am also still relatively young compared to some other Bills fans, but you know, I, I, if you've lived through the drought and more or and more, if you've at least lived through the drought, you kind of have, you know, had the feeling of this game of somehow that's, they're going to lose this game. You kind of like once it got to, you know, 17 to three, you were like, OK, this is somehow the Bills are going to lose this. You saw the refs start to kind of make bad calls. You saw, you know, different different kind of the ball bounce in different ways. And you just kind of thought, no, this is this is going to be a classic Bills loss somehow, some way. They're going to either keep it close and blow it, which is what they kind of did here. Or they were just going to get ran over. Luckily, it, they didn't get ran over, but they did blow it. And it just seems like time and time again, fans have this thought of they're going to blow it when it comes to a close game, especially against teams that they should be beating. This game early on, it felt like it should have been 30 to 3 at half. And I think a lot of fans would agree. It should, at half, By halftime, you were like, you know, they're playing well. The offense is moving the ball. I know that they missed that. They had the blocked field goal. They had some some rough kind of penalties come against them. But at the end of the day, the team was playing well. So you thought, oh, this team's great. They're back. Nope. And they happened to just fall apart in the second half defensively. Ball bounced their way a couple times. As Sander even brought up, the ref played a big part in the loss. And, you know, I, I'm somebody who... I'll talk about the refs, but most of the time when I talk about the refs, I'm like, okay, well, it was bad both ways. Or, you know, it's just one or two calls. You can't blame the game. This, however, was one of the worst ref games I think I've ever witnessed. Um, and it's gone on around the one side this year. With, yeah, this was the most biggest one-sided game I've seen. And, yeah. you know, 
there's not many other games. The only other game I really think that maybe was so one-sided was actually this past Thursday, which was Seattle and Dallas, which had some other horrible, horrible calls at it. But besides that, I can't think of another game that I've watched that I've been like, wow, this other, whether it's the, the Broncos are getting cheated or the, the Colts, whoever it is, nobody else I thought is getting cheated where it's like, okay, usually it's pretty even. But it's time to start having a conversation about the refs and holding them accountable in every game, not just against for the Bills games in every game, because people that have watched every a lot of the football this year will tell you that it is every team that that's that's hurting from these refs that are whether they're taking forever to, to, to decide what the call is or they get the call wrong or just missing a call. It's something at the end of the day with the refs in almost every NFL game that you watch and they're never held accountable, which brings me actually to my next question to you. Do you think refs need to be held more accountable? Do you think that they should have some sort of press conference or just some sort of grading system that they get graded on each game? Do you think that something should be implemented by the league to hold these refs more accountable because they are changing games, not just those games, but games around the league due to yeah. certain calls. So what do you think about the refs? Do you think they need to be held more accountable? And what would your maybe top option be? I know it's kind of a tough question of, oh, well, this would be what I would do. But what's some some ideas that you kind of like? Yeah, I mean, not not only being an angsty Bills fan after Sunday, like to, to, to your point before I get into like what I think should happen, um, in a league that strives for parity, much like all sports leagues do, like they want to see parity. They don't want to see teams tanking or, you know, they want to see some fluidity in, in the the, the talents and records and things like that. There, there needs to be some kind of parity. There is no way you can tell me one team in a game in a half even commits 10 penalties versus the other committing one. Like that is insanity to me. Like there is no way that, you will ever make me believe if I watch the all 22, 22 times over, I will be like, there is no way you can call this and not call that. Like if you're going to be bad, be bad both ways. And that's fine. Like that's fine. If, if You cannot play favorites. I mean, look at the biggest stage in the NFL, the Super Bowl last year. I thought the final play that dictated the, the chiefs winning was a terrible call. I think on a pass interference, that I think kept the drive alive or whatever. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I remember the refs throwing a flag on a pass interference. And it's like, that was so egregious. Even the bill, like for bills fans, of course. So we dial it back to the bills games, of course, but even the Broncos game, that final, just like Russell Wilson, tossing it up on the zero blitz or the, the jailbreak blitz McDermott threw at him for the second time in a row, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> I don't think the refs should, unless it is completely egregious in the last two minutes of the game, unless the guy is getting bear hugged, there should no be, there should not be a pass interference call. Um, it, it, it's a, it's an, it's a problem. <laughs> it is a huge problem. Like the NFL per, does everything they can to protect the refs, even from a, um, a, when, what's the word I'm looking for here? Even from like a upfront standpoint of, of how it's addressed in television broadcasts of like, Dean Blandino or whoever, like they will never flat out say these refs are wrong. That was a terrible call. Like they'll just be like, oh, okay, I can see it both ways. Like they they will do everything they can to protect the refs, even the refs like, press junkets after the game. Like they will never say they were wrong. They will never. It's just they're not held accountable now, and I don't know what it is. 
that's going to change that. Uh, I've proposed the most ridiculous idea ever, but I, that's all I can think of at this point uh, on our show is the refs should have a finite amount of flags they can throw during the game. Like you get 15 flags total. That is it. If you want to throw those 15 flags for ticky tack stuff, like, uh, I don't know, like a, a pass interference, a, that you just slight, a slight tug of the Jersey on a pass interference or something like that happens every single play, like go for it. But guess what? You're not going to have enough flags to throw when it comes to the end of the game. Like, I just don't know what the answer is uh, other than like survey monkey throwing out a survey to a thousand NFL fans every week and saying, please judge these refs. You get get at work. It's like satisfactory. Very good. (laughs) That's the only thing I could think of, but I don't don't know. I I, I put part of it. Yes, the refs are bad, but I also am going to put part of it on the league itself because a lot of penalties like pass interference or, you know, like even holding, our referee discretion it's not this is the rule this is being broken if this is the rule it's well if the ref thinks it's a penalty it's a penalty which then you get games that have two penalties some that have i I just looked it up here the cowboys thursday night game against against the seahawks had 19 penalties 19 penalties for 257 yards that is unbelievable that is no game should ever have 257 yards worth of penalties and to have that happen not just in a game but in a prime time football game to have that happen is inexcusable and then to not even question the refs on some of the calls because when i was watching that game i'm like why a lot of time again i'm like why is this getting called you even hear collinsworth or or al michaels or whoever it is on you know not not the nfl you know head referee or the officiating but the commentators tony romo whoever it is a lot of times you'll hear them be like oh that was bad that was really bad and it's blatantly obvious half the time too it's not like oh i see where they could have missed that maybe they were out of position it's it's right in front of them and they're either missing it or calling it even though it's right in front of them so the league i think does need to figure something out whether it's a scoring system that they have that the coaches fill out each week, maybe, or who knows, they have some sort of scoring system or whatever it is, or press conferences. If that really scares refs into making calls correctly, if they just are going to have to get press conference every week, but they have to do something because it gets worse year in and year out. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And I want to bring up David's comment here. I haven't fully read it yet, but he says, I attended ref meetings with an NFL ref. Who didn't? Who did not know calls? So he referred to some of the training to a high school football. Um, I was trained to make a call and be confident, regardless of it being wrong or right. So that that gives a little bit of an insight into kind of what refs are thinking sometimes. Of they're just trained to make a call if they see something, right? If they if whether it's wrong or right, they just if they see something a little off, throw the flag. And my thing trickle is trickle down too. Yeah, and well, the other thing like, is you see other if, leagues hold refs accountable. You see it happen all yeah. the time in the NBA, whether it's you know they're they're questioned about it or whatever. The MLB, you have the grading system where it shows percentages of what the calls were. The NFL, it's just oh well, the league will come out after the game and tweet that this wasn't a penalty because of this, and everybody else is saying, well, it's the it's ridiculous that that that's wrong that they're just plain wrong and i'm going to bring up uh, we did get a hockey league sucks 
uh, comment here, and I do want to bring which one. <laughs> well, I did like both, the older one, both the Sean one was... and his father Ed. No, Ed was always against the Bills. I hated when Ed. Ed I don't know. Maybe I was a little too young for Ed against the Bills, but I remember Ed was at least. He wasn't. I, I saw worse. That's what I'll say. But I want to bring up this. That actually brings oh, me yeah. up to this stat of the Eagles are four and zero now, five and zero with Sean Hockley as the mm-hmm. ref since Nick Sirianni was hired. Four and zero against the spread as well. I believe they wouldn't. Now they're four and one against the spread. Big whoop. And then in this game, there was ten first half penalties. Ten against the Bills. One against the Eagles. So as you said earlier, you yep. brought the, that up, and it's just it is ridiculous. So. I mean, you got any last comments on the refs before we we move on? Because I know we could talk about the refs all day. We could spring up call after call all day. So any last words or anything about the refs before we move on here? Uh, Two things. Back to David's comment about, like, being confident in your call. I say, like, that's a trickle down because even when I was, like, a little league baseball umpire when I was in high school, it's, like, the first thing they teach you is, like, just be confident in your call. Like, whether you think it's right or wrong, just be confident. So I, I can understand that point. He makes a good point there. So uh, the second thing is, whether it's Ed or Sean, I don't know what these Hockley, the Hockley family has against the Bills. Uh, I don't know if they have like a candlelight ritual sacrifice thing with like the Bills logo in their house. But uh, I, I don't know. Was the was Ralph Wilson Stadium built on like Hockley house land that they bought Maybe from the, the Hockleys and it, they're yeah, the there's like a lifetime of angst against the Bills. <laughs> like, like Sean Hockley's great, 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 great grandfather, like tooth and nail, every nail hammered, built the house that the family lived in for the past 50 years. And the stadium's built on top of it. And they kicked the Hockley's. Out. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just it's wild. Ed, Sean, it doesn't matter. I, I don't like that family as a Bills fan. And I can think of, I think a lot of Bills Mafia feel the same. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's such a such a tough you know, subject with the refs in the NFL in general, just, you know, we talked about a lot of them here, you know, whether it's bad calls, missed calls, even just taking 10 minutes to decide what's happening. Sometimes that's also another thing we didn't even get into was just how long sometimes they take to figure things out. So it's just, it's everything. It's from the league down. It's from the rules to the refs, to everything about, these penalties or non-penalties happening it's everything and it's just it honestly is to the point of being ridiculous and the league needs to do something about it um a good point about how it's like subjective like each referee crew is different in the way they call the game whether how they judge a pass interference versus not whether they judge a catch versus not a catch like there is no like finite amount like status quo of how these refs should call a game and I, I don't even know if they're like full-time employees. That was like a big thing like five years ago about how these refs are like part-time when the replacement refs came in and the real refs went on strike because they weren't full-time employees and they weren't getting, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but um, I don't know. Like what, what final thought, like what's, what do you think like the recourse should be like for bad refereeing? Like, is it fines? Is it um, not getting like playoff games? Like, what do you think? I think one, yeah, playoff games would be a good one. I think just, loss of game i mean you know if you have a really if you have a game so bad you should be suspended for a game or two or something like that um because it really is just ridiculous i will also say this before we move on here is they need to get rid of down refs to 
why why do we have refs soccer is the perfect example they use technology every sport uses technology and the nfl does the refs do it to the point where you can in soccer where you can literally tell if somebody's offsides by technology why can sure. we not have somebody tell by technology if somebody's offsides if if they're even got the ball first starts. down ball starts and you can, you have the technology to do it they're just not going to do it. And now you have two refs who are focused on something that technology can easily take out of there and they can focus on, I don't know, maybe making correct calls elsewhere. And they can't even they can't even call, like you said, with off with false starts. They can't even call that correctly. So it, I don't know what the solution is. They need to do something though, because it's year are you saying year. let's get this, let's get the record straight before we move on. Are you saying the league that uses a thin slice of paper to determine whether it's a first down or not? is afraid to use technology or use advanced technology. Tennis, soccer, you're right. Tennis, like the ball, they can measure it to the inch of if it's out or in on a serve. Like, come on, like NFL, get with the time. Yeah. It's just insane. Yeah, it's it's really bad. I mean, I don't know. We'll see if they do something. I, I'm i going to guess that they're not because, again, it's the NFL that they don't do anything, you know, sure. at least positive like enough. Watching. They can only do a certain amount of positive things in the NFL. Only good things occasionally. Yeah. Can't give it too much. But um, all right. So we kind of there. There's our, I guess, rant on on refs and how you know David brings it up here. Last comment I'll bring up about the refs, at least for now. It comes down to the ego that exactly you know right. the NFL just wants to be right. They wanted, to, yeah. So nailed it. NFL refs. NFL doesn't want them. Thumbs to down this either. week. Thumbs down this season. Um, but we'll we'll see if they if they make a change. Maybe they do. I would be shocked. But let's move on here. Uh, we talked about you talked a little bit about Sean McDermott, right? You talked a little bit about how he's struggled in late games and close games, and you know people are starting to become more antsy with them. So on a scale of one to ten, and anybody else in the comment, you can put your number down as well. Scale of one to ten, ten being you're done, one being no, I still have complete faith in him. How ready are you to move on from Sean McDermott? I am at, is, is like 10, like moving on or is one, what's uh, the, which way does the scale work here? So 10 would be like, you're ready to move on. You're done. You're already okay. out the door. One is nope. I'm still holding on to him as tight as I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving him a nice big hug and getting pass interference called for. Um, no, I'm at about like, I, I, this is going to be the lamest answer in the world. Cause I'm at a coin flip. I'm at a five with this because I've lived through and most people have lived through the grass isn't always greener scenario with Doug Marone, Dick Duran. Like there is no way uh, anyone will be able to predict the future. If they move on from Sean McDermott, uh, you are hoping if they do that, Brandon Bean is a smart guy and is a forward thinking guy and realizes the way the NFL is moving into in the way I think it's moving at least is to uh, progressively minded offensive minds, right? Like Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, uh, Ben Johnson is like one of the hottest candidates out because uh, out there because the lions offense looks really great. Um, Kyle Shanahan, like just guys who can get an offense clicking and put up 35 points a game and it, Treat it as a treat it as a track meet and and a hundred yard dash and there Usain Bolt like try to keep up with us we dare you 
Uh, that's how like Dable I thought was moving towards. And then Dorsey came in and kind of uh, the bills, as we say on our show, got a bad case of the Dorsitis um, because they just became a, a shell of themselves on offense. Uh, now, how much of that is re- attributed to Sean McDermott? You know, we've seen reports in the past that when Sean doesn't like how things go, that he kind of takes the reins, whether it's, He's not liking how Leslie Frazier's calling the defense or he wants to establish more of a balanced attack, complementary football, as he called it. Um, I don't know. Like, we'll probably never know, like, the percentage, like, he controls of how the offense is run or how the defense is run. Uh, the best complementary football to me is the complementary football that works. Like, whether they pass 100 times and run zero and it works and they win, that's complimentary football to me. I don't care about anything else. Do what works. And that's what Joe Brady's come in and done. He's found kind of the deficiencies of Ken Dorsey's offense and in a quick manner, which it wasn't hard, and this is why it's turned around so quickly, uh, has installed those, whether it's pre-snap motions or simple, efficient crossing routes or things like that, working the middle of the field. We've seen on Josh's passing charts, much more usage in the middle of the field. Uh, Again, like... It's all about, to me, and this is a broader point, and it goes into Sean McDermott's point, my point about Sean McDermott as well, uh, evolution. Like, do these coaches learn from their mistakes? Sean McDermott had 13 seconds, did not learn from his mistake, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so with th- that's why I'm at a coin flip, because I like Sean McDermott. My co-host Tony on our show says, Sean McDermott is a great coach six days a week. That yeah. seventh day... It, he's he's chick-fil-a he's closed for business on sundays like we don't know like what's going on but he seems to either have too much on his shoulders or he just doesn't know what to do in game with adjustments or on the spot decision making and it's just kind of a mess and chaotic and that's where we start to lose faith in him so uh i i think he's a good coach and i think a good coach is kind of hard to find in this day and age i mean you have so many franchises ready to move on from their coaches. So that's why I'm at a coin flip. It's it's a very tough question. I'm not ready to move on, but and I don't think Terry and Brandon Bean are based on reports, how accurate they are or not recently. But it, it I think he has another year. And if he doesn't learn from his mistakes and make in-game adjustments, it drives me nuts how this team does not make any in-game adjustments on either side of the ball. And I think that's on the coaching. And you can even even attribute the lack of preparation, how they come out slow on defense, giving up like those scripted plays very easily to opposition uh, offenses. It's a lot of things that waver on, yeah, I'm done with this guy, but he's also the guy that got us out of the drought with Tyrod Taylor in a, in a makeshift team. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to coin. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, for the longest time going into, even going into this year, I was always at like a two, maybe a one, just, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with him. I'm ready to stay with him. Um, He's had his faults, but I always have thought he's a very, very good coach. He's taken teams farther than they should have. He brings guys, uh, he, he brings the best out of guys, especially on the defensive side where you've seen even young guys, come in is sixth round picks, seventh round picks, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, right? Uh, just guys coming in, making plays, Matt Milano, even, you know, you go down the line of late round picks and he brings the best in, uh, out of them. But you do have the other side of 
well, then there's the same things happening or there's not much accountability. I know everybody, this is the one thing that bothers me about Sean McDermott. We saw a clip from Joe Brady come out, I believe it was Monday, right after the game on against the Eagles. And he straight up said, now nah, I need to be better. I don't remember the last time, if ever, I've ever heard Sean McDermott say something like that. And now I know I, he, he says like certain things like I do need to be better. He starts it off with we, we can all be better or something like that. But I've never heard him say, no, this was my fault. It's always, well, this could have happened and this could have. It's like this. It's like he's writing a poem or something sometimes. And I'm like, well, dude, just just give the, an- the direct answer. Stop dancing around the question here to make sure that you're answering it so people don't get too pissed but like it's a vague answer almost sometimes and it it, to me that's the one thing about sean mcdermott that bothers me is he never ever ever just comes out and says what needs to be said he always dances around different things and this year uh, it, it kind of became this is where he started to lose me back even in february he back started to lose me was eggs when Leslie Frazier left. Oh, it, it, it's it was one of those things where it was weird. It wasn't a it wasn't a thing that this regime liked to to do things like that of be in the news, cause drama, be questionable, be kind of weird, make weird decisions. They they want to be professional. They want to be organized. They want to be this. And so that once when I saw that, I was like, that's a little weird that this is happening now. It's a little weird how they responded to it. They gave another vague answer, not, oh, well, you know, he's leaving to because he just wants to he was so he wants to step away from football. But then he was three months later helping out with the Packers. So it, it just that came, became weird. And then the whole uh, Stefan Diggs uh, interview when he came out and he said he was very concerned about it. It just was very confusing it's it's just very confusing on what we've seen with Sean McDermott the last year, really. I mean, it it's just been, it seems like he's kind of not losing it, but just feeling the pressure. And I think that is where he's starting to get a little bit defensive on certain things where it's, oh, it comes down to the execution or, oh, it comes down to this never, I need to be better because he doesn't, he's, it's to me, it seems like he's losing it a little bit, losing the locker room a little bit. Now you see players coming in, old players coming in, coming out and saying, well, no, it's actually Sean McDermott that's the problem. Or, you know, it's this that's the problem when it's a Sean McDermott issue that, be, that came about. So a lot of things just has to do with, I think, Sean McDermott feeling the pressure. And I think, now that you're at year six, which if you look at every coach that's year six or above in the NFL with the same team, he's the only one to not go at least go to a Super Bowl. Every other one besides the only other one that hasn't won one was Kyle Shanahan. And he's we all know Kyle Shanahan has plenty on his resume. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's, he's gone at conference championships. He's been a phenomenal coach. He's never won it, but then Sean McVay has won it. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, go down like that. Six plus years is kind of when you are starting to see, oh, if you can't win the Super Bowl now, what's going to happen? You know, you're getting to that point. And that's kind of where I'm at the point where Sean McDermott, he's a great coach. Nobody's going to argue that, I think. Um, I, I think a lot of people will say he is a great coach. He's a phenomenal coach. But it start to be, can he be that guy? I, last week I said, or two weeks ago, I said, I brought up the Golden State Warriors and how the Golden State Warriors, before they had Steve Kerr and they started winning all these championships, they had Mark Jackson. And Mark Jackson, great coach, but can never, ever be that guy to lead the team to the promised land. 
is Sean McDermott that for the Bills? I'm starting to get that way. Um, do I think right now he can lead us to the Super Bowl? Yes, I do think he can. But give it another year, maybe even next year if he doesn't do it, then we're going to have to start answering some questions here and saying, well, Sean, you're saying it's execution, but why is it? Why are you not executing? Why do you continue to have the same issues? Why is it penalties are an issue? Tackling's an issue, right? Inconsistency is an issue. Why are these issues coming up again and again and again? And he's built this culture that seems to be crumbling, right? It seems to be crumbling. You have Stefan Diggs in that whole situation. You have now the Von Miller situation, which we will talk about in a little bit. You have just situation after situation. You have guys asking for a release two years ago in Quentin Spain, right? It's You built this culture of being a family, of when it being together, yet there's one or two guys that I feel like every year come out and it's just they're un- very upset about something. So yeah. – I like McDermott. I'm going to finish off with saying I like McDermott. I'm not as high on him as I used to be. If, depending on how this year goes, I wouldn't be upset if the Bills miss the playoffs and they get rid of McDermott. Now, I don't think it will happen. Would I do it? Probably not. I'd still probably give him one more year. But by next year, if he doesn't make it to at least the conference championship, I'm going to be probably on board of booting him out of here. So... We'll see what happens. Uh, do you have any last last thoughts on Sean McDermott? And just, you know, I know I went on a pretty crazy all over the place rant right there. But any, uh, no, any yeah. thoughts stuff. on Sean McDermott before we move on? Uh, I don't know if it was a slight nod to Sean McDermott himself, but you said Sean McDermott likes to dance around the topics when he's talking to the media. Uh, little known fact, Sean McDermott loves to dance at his off time. He's a big dancer. Uh, and his favorite artist is Michael Jack. His favorite artist is Michael Jackson, actually. Oh. So I don't know if if you were just being coy there or not. I'm sure. No, you I mean, I um, well, I guess that explains it, though. I mean, I did not know yeah, that, but you, you know, know, man loves to dance, whether it's with the media or at a wedding or who knows. But um, I I will say, like, it, it's just I, I'm the one thing you you mentioned a couple points in time where you started to see some some cracks in the armor with the culture right i think one point you forgot to mention that um was very telling to me this season about sean mcdermott's culture is after the giants game when him and dable like didn't even acknowledge each other barely it was like a a quick like handshake for i don't even know if handshake qualifies what it was but um for a tandem in Dable and McDermott that had so much success in this organization together for them to kind of just be on the outs or not even seemingly cordial with each other. Let's say that was very telling to me is like, what's going on here? What's, what's the deal with McDermott? Um, that, That was kind of the point in time where I started to move from, my I was with you like a, a two in McDermott and now I'm like well what's going on here like they should be good friends like their success gave Dable a head coaching job like their yeah. success has ingrained I will say this, Sean McDermott in like the, um, the brain I don't want to cut you off but I will say this actually I, did see cause I, yeah. saw, I saw it come out today actually because I did see, you know, the situation of him, you know, the, the handshake it did not look pretty. 
Um, and my initial thought was, well, why is the same as yours? You know, why is that happening? I did see today, actually, from a New York Giants reporter, one that's very trusted. A lot of people say he is right, you know, most of the time on when he reports. He is saying that a lot of the Giants coaches, defensive coordinator, anybody, are they're done with him. They they are sick yeah. of his attitude, his his, and you, I'm going to bring up the, the fan, at the this, players this, this like he does, from David yeah. and again. David, this isn't this isn't a shot at you, David. Oop, if I can bring it up here, this isn't a shot at you. He's an aggressive coach. He is a very aggressive coach, um, unless he has Danny DeVito at quarterback. But um, regardless, he is an aggressive coach. He likes to get in people's faces. He likes to yell. He likes to be louder. Where that can rub people the wrong way sometimes, um, especially if you are respected coaches in the league. And I think that's where the Giants are losing him. And that maybe caused friction between him and McDermott of maybe Dable had a little bit of an ego on him saying, well, they look at how this offense is working. We're scoring points, right? Or after 13 seconds, that wasn't on Dable. That was not. So it, it's a little bit, you know, of a, is it Dable? Is it McDermott? Cause that did, yeah. that situation did kind of rub me the wrong way as well. So I think it was a little bit of both. I think both of them have a little bit of an eagle on them, and, sure. and neither of them like to be the guy. Um, so that one was it was definitely a little weird. So I'm glad you brought it up because it, it was a little bit of a weird situation there. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I was fully on, oh, that's definitely weird. McDermott would do that. But now that stuff's coming out about Dable, looks like Dable could be on the hot seat himself over there in New York after winning Coach of the Year, which is mind-blowing. Um, yeah, but sorry to cut you off there. Did you have any other last your show? Words? Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any other last words before we move on here? Uh, no, just, uh, I guess believe I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to bring up a couple of the comments. Uh, I, I will also say David, I do like Dan Campbell as well. He's a lot like Dable in some way, some ways, um, just very passionate. Sean McDermott makes a lot of mistakes. So that's why Dable and him don't get along. Hey, there was one point I will bring up. There was one point where people were calling for Brian Dable's head as well. Uh, I think that's forgotten a lot. And I think even when Dorsey was getting a lot of heat, that was something people forgot was Dable was getting a lot of heat as well. Um, And then, all right, so we'll bring up, I do want to bring up the little Von Miller situation. We got a couple comments here about Von Miller and just, you know, he's done with the bills, worst investments. You know, yes, circumstances are different for Bean in that aspect. Um, I do want to also just let people know Bean does have an E at the end. Um, I know it's technically spelled B-E-A-N, but there is an E for him, at least at the end. Um, And yeah, it's something that I think as Brandon Bean, you can't really come in thinking this type of thing would happen, um, let alone not the arrest, even just the injury alone, let alone everything else. As everybody, I think, knows by now. Um, Von Miller did have a warrant out for his arrest. He turned himself in, paid bail, which was, I think, $5,000. He is now out on bail. At first, it was he strangled her and pushed her, and this is a pre- his pregnant girlfriend. Now the girlfriend's coming out and saying nothing had happened, that it's crazy that somebody would say say that. All I want to say on this is, it's tough. I, I, I get both sides of people saying, well, let's wait to get the facts and other people saying, well, no, I'm going to I want to say this. I, I, I think at the end of the day, people should just say, look, everybody has their opinion on this. Everybody's going to be, be able to make their own judgments on it. Um, I'm not going to say my specific feelings on this situation about Ron Miller and today, at least just until more stuff comes out about it. I will say it's disappointing. 
um, to say the least, that this even comes about. And at the end of the day, I think, like Debbie brings up here, the truth will come out no matter what. People will get answers no matter what. And I think at first, when you see something like this happens, it's very, very, it's very, very, you know, normal to just react, right? Because it is a very, very serious situation. You know, we had that, uh, was it a year and a half ago with Matt Ariza at this point now? Um, and I do want to say this. I saw a lot of people saying, well, look at Matt Ariza's. We have to wait for that more stuff to come out. I do want to say I, I think it's a little bit different in this scenario because there was a warrant. Matt Ariza, there was no warrant. There was just this came out and they said he was there, whatever had happened. That was a little bit different. Where When you have a warrant for your arrest, that means there's some some actual evidence. That's the only thing I will say about why I think it's a little bit different than the Ariza situation. Now, again, we don't know fully what happened. We have no idea. I do also want to just say before I move it on to you and your thoughts on this real quick. This isn't also the first time something's happened with Von Miller. Um, 2021, something happened. 2022, something happened. Now, were they as serious as this allegation? I don't believe they were as serious as this allegation. Maybe 2021 was. 2022, I believe, was just tapes being sent around by him. Um, still serious, don't get me wrong. But you know what I mean? Where it comes to when it comes to physical assault, that's where it's different. So we'll see what happens. Um, what are your thoughts just on it? I know you don't have to go into big detail if you don't want to, um, but I just wanted to put say something quick about it because it is big Bills news. It is something that will affect the team. And I think the Bills in this situation, unlike Arises, does have to wait and see how this plays out. They can't just jump to cutting him, one, due to money, and two, due to what the actual circumstance is. Yeah, um, I know I am part of a satirical comedy show, but there's a lot of times when comedy and witty banter and observational humor is not called for. And uh, this is not one of the times uh, I think you said it quite well for uh, us being I don't know about you. Are you a lawyer? Uh, no, I'm not. No, no, neither am I. OK, I feel like a there's a Chappelle show skit back in the day where it's like everyone like jumps out of the bushes and they're like, that's five to 10. <laughs> and they, they think they're a lawyer. They think they know everything. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a sad situation uh, regardless of the truth that comes out. Um, it's kind of just like this. It's an amalgamation of the, this season as it is. It's just like this team, like it's just everything. You thought 2023 was the season from hell with two blizzards and all that stuff. Like, and them having to move games like 2024 is following it up quite, quite in its own way here. So um, with high expectations, just failing at that. And now this, and just, it's, 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 it's a sad situation. Like I said, now I don't speak to the, the situation in itself or Vaughn's role in the situation. I will say like, just in putting that aside for a second and speaking about Vaughn, like Vaughn might go down as the biggest BSer in Bill's organizational history. And it has rubbed me the wrong way ever since. And this, again, what he says about trades and free agents and whatever is minuscule at best be in, in comparison to what is in the news lately. Uh, so, but like, I, I just, it, it rubs me the wrong way. Like Odell Beckham's coming here. Derek Henry, we're trading for Deandre Hopkins is coming here. I'll be back by week one. Like, Vaughn is just he's a he's a BSer. And like I don't know if that equates to being a bad person or not. Again, 
that situation is very serious. Him speaking nonsense is not. So uh, I, I don't know. It's 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 sad. That's all I can say. And uh, that's not even talking about his production on the field, which is is bad in itself. So uh, not much serious. I don't I don't know what the Bills do honestly. Like people have been asking for him to be benched. Is this their reason to bench him? I, I can't imagine he plays right. Like nobody At wants least- to deal with that PR. Circus I can't, I can't see it at least next week. I can't see it at least one week. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he plays the rest of the year. Honestly, he hasn't I, been effective for a guy who th- thought he should be back week one. It's week 13, 12, 13, 14 now, and he's done nothing. Like he's been, he's been flat out bad. Like I told my friends the on Sunday, it's like Bond's not just ineffective. He's just bad out there. Like it's not like he's coming up with a play or two here or there, like he's hurting this team. Um, So again, that's on the field stuff, which is separate from what we're discussing. So I don't want to go into a, to banter here, but yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it really is just a really, really unfortunate situation that hopefully comes out as best as possible for everybody involved. Um, so, I, I mean, we'll see what they, the Bills end up doing, what the league ends up doing. I know we're seeing a lot of – I'm seeing a lot of people saying, you know, that the NFL won't let them play, exempt list. Uh, I, I Exempt list, I don't know the specifics to get on the exempt list. That might be a little more complicated. Yeah, There's yeah. just a bunch of different things that you can do in this situation. At the end of the day, though, you just – you never want to see it, it. You would never want to see it, you know, come out for any player. Um and I say it every year when there's something like this comes out, it blows my mind, whether it's a, a man or a woman or whatever the case, whether it's in a club, at a home or wherever, it blows my mind that these that any player in any sport, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, cannot just not put your hands on somebody. And again, I don't know if Von did it. I'm just speaking in generality here, not Von, just in general with these situations because you see it come out all the time. You know, even Alvin Kamara was in a club. Why are you touching a guy? Like, you don't need, you have anything you want in the world. You have millions of dollars. You can go do anything you want. If you really can't, can't help yourself, hire a bodyguard, like, to, to do it for, like, and again, it, it's, it just blows my mind every time I see something comes out about a player getting in trouble for something like this, because it gets, it's not, to me, it's not difficult to not hit somebody or not do something to somebody else, especially when you have, probably more than any other person talking to you when you're, it comes to these athletes. So we'll see what happens. He has 57 rooms in it. Like make one of those, like a, if I get angry, I'm going there room to calm down. Like, Literally, You play a sport, by the way, that you're supposed to take your anger out on the other team. Like, but at the end of the day, I know that people are human and things happen, but it's just a little bit tough. So we'll move on. I know that this is not a topic a lot of people want to talk about a ton. We'll see what happens with it. But I just did want to at least acknowledge it and talk about it a little bit. It's something we got to, especially if we, if we weren't Bills fans, if we were, if this was a, this was a Green Bay Packers show, then maybe we wouldn't talk about it at all. But since we did the Buffalo Bills no. and we are off the edge here, we're built in Buffalo, we have to talk about it a little bit. So um, we'll see what happens there. Let's move on, though. This might be our last topic, maybe not, um, but I'm just going to quick question for you since they are on the bye week. To you, what is the number one thing this Buffalo Bills team needs to address this week during the bye week? 
Oh, that is a good question. Um, there, there's so much. I feel like I, I can't like narrow it down to one. Um, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. Fleeting mentioned uh, in-game adjustments. <laughs> like, please, someone make some positive, effective in-game adjustments on this coaching staff. One of these weeks, I, it boggles my mind, and we'll, I'll relate back to the Eagles game. Uh, if you thought the Eagles weren't going to come out and try to run the ball after halftime, like you your head was in a pile of dirt like i don't know like what a a nice metaphor is to say uh just like the bills did against the broncos like they're playing one of uh, not I, I don't know if they're the worst run defense but a, a bottom tier run defense in the league in the broncos and they didn't run the ball in the first half and it's like what are you doing yeah james cook fumbled big deal whoop like get him in there go run seven yards of carry uh, they realized it after halftime, and they were super effective. I think one of the touchdown drives after halftime in the Broncos, they didn't pass the ball at all. Like, it's just run, 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 run. And uh, that's what I thought the Eagles did, too. It's like, well, why aren't we running the ball? We should be running the ball. The Bills defense is notoriously bad at run defense. Uh, Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips, who are playing significant snaps on this team, are two of the worst graded D tackles, according to PFF, however – much merit you want to put into PFF grades, but I think they're like 130 out of 137 and 134 to 137 or something like I actually terribly have bad. Up right I'm sure you me. had a stat. Yeah. I knew you I would, gotta, Ben. Have the You're always on top of it. I have the tweet from Pat Moran. I think you might, did you send it into the chat? I think you sent it into the Built in Buffalo chat, but I have it right here from Pat Moran at Pat Moran TV on Twitter. If you want to go give him a follow, he does have some great stuff on Twitter. Um, but Jordan Phillips is 133rd out of 137th. And Tim Settle is dead last. So there you go. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like what are, what are we doing here? Like it's uh it's it's mind-boggling. And and I think the Eagles ran like the same run, like off left tackle, um, for like three straight plays, and DeAndre Swift got like 12, 13, 14 yards of carry on average. Like if like somebody make an adjustment, please, for the love of God. Um, so they just they just do the dumbest things it is mind-boggling like i mentioned the zacchaeus touchdown earlier it's like a how do you let micah hide how do you let anybody get behind you on that like it, i don't know how you let anyone get behind you I, like you're the center fielder you should be seeing everyone uh i i equated it to uh this might be too old of a reference for you uh, in your generation, but the, there was a game and the Nintendo, the original Nintendo system called Tecmo Super Bowl. And maybe you just as a football fan, you've heard of this. Uh, but I think a lot of people, including myself, when they played Tecmo Super Bowl from my generation, uh, when we were on defense and I always chose the bills, of course. Uh, so it was like Henry Jones or somebody, I would always choose Henry Jones and just sit in the middle of the field, like 20 yards away. And then the quarterback would pass to the top of the screen or the bottom of the screen. And I would move accordingly. Like Micah Hyde, do that. It's very easy. And it just seems like it, it, he's like lost in the sauce and he just doesn't know what's going on. Um, but in-game adjustments and just stop being dumb. Like, I don't, I don't know. How, like that, it's, the, it's the most childish way to explain it. But I just watch this team and I'm like, they do dumb things. Like, I just yeah. don't know what. Even the final yeah. touchdown to Hurts, it's like, the guy goes in motion. I don't. I can't recall who it was. The receiver from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen, and Hyde like 
kind of goes with him, but then stops at like the hash mark. And then when the ball is snapped, he like shoots over to that guy that went in motion, leaving the whole side, his whole side of the field open for Hertz to just run into the end zone untouched from what was it? 17, 18 yard run Something around there. Yeah. The fact that a quarterback can do that and get untouched on the final play of the game. I'm one of their, not dumb, even on just like, the final play. I'm one of their, as the Eagles, one of the Eagles' top plays that they run, too. Like, it's not even yeah. like you're talking you talk about dumb plays that the bill, it's, it's team after team that it's not even just dumb plays. It's just like you know it's coming or whatever it is, whether it's a Hertz run or whatever it is. They do. And you still don't know what's coming. Like you, they seem like they don't even know what's coming, even though everybody else in the league, every fan in the stands knows it's coming. Everybody in that building in Philadelphia yeah. knew that it was a first down, right? They believe it was first down. Um, and that play was coming, that it's one of their top plays in the that they run is a QB draw. I think one of their line. offensive linemen, was it Mulata or Mulata or something, said like, we can't believe they gave us that look on defense. Like we knew we were going to win the game right there. It's like that should ne whether it's true or not. I never want to hear those words uttered by the team I'm playing. Like that should be embarrassing. That should be defeating. Like the fact that another team can just like, you know, call their shot Babe Ruth styles. Like, yep, we're going to score the touchdown here because you're running a defense that you shouldn't be running. That's that's amazing. Like Sean McDermott, we mentioned him before, and uh, I always say like we everybody wants a coach who like when the other coach is playing, the opposition coach is playing checkers. We're playing chess. Like we're just one step ahead. We're smarter than the other guy. Like if Sean McDermott is in a chess match against the opposition, he overthinks everything. When all he has to do is call Josh Allen up, say Josh, I'm in a chess match. Can you come down? Josh Allen comes flips the table over, says chest is for nerds, Sean wins and walks out. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's how good Josh Allen is. That's all you need to do. Like put the ball in your best player's hands. Even if there's 20 seconds left in a timeout, like do something like try. They just overthink it. They overcomplicate it and they make dumb plays in terms of execution uh, or lack of execution, I should say. And it's all just bad. So just, I guess like sharpen up like during this bye week, like get right, sharpen up and play football. Like it, this isn't rocket wanna, science to me. I want to piggyback off your point of like Jordan Malata talking about that and saying we, they were surprised that that happened. They knew they were going to score. Yeah. I, I'm really done with the other teams talking about, well, we knew this was coming or we knew that we were able to do this. We knew that this was like, they knew it. They knew all this stuff right. was going to Vikings last year. Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I I knew Gabe Davis was going to run that route. I knew it this this year. Oh, yeah, I knew Josh Allen was going to throw throw it to the corner route because that's on that play, which they run so often. And then and again, yeah, at it. <laughs> doing the similar things is, again, not always the worst. I mean, you saw it even against the Eagles, even where yeah. they ran the same run play, literally three same motion, same everything off the same mm -hmm. guard. And it worked, but we're doing it, it where it's, it's not working and we're going to keep trying it until it works. Well, that, that's not going to, that, that, why are we doing that? 
Like, why why are we continuing to have Gabe Davis run the same three route? Well, I don't again. I'm just using this as an example. Why are we having them use this run the same three routes when it's not working? Why are we ha- why are running... we in shotgun on third and one? Yeah, exactly. Why are we in shotgun on third it's and one? Why are we always on third and eight, third and nine on defense late in the game, bringing everybody running a, yeah. a zero blitz? Every team knows it, and I know a lot of teams do that. But again, that's Bills fans know it. Bills fans know right. fourth quarter, less than five minutes. If it's third down, Sean McDermott's bringing everybody. Everybody knows it. Everybody in the building knows it. And again, it, it can work. It might work in the second quarter, but it's not going to work when you run it continuously. It brings me back to even just Sean McDermott doing the, the let's pretend we're going to go up and go for it and call timeout. It never works because teams have never seen us actually go for it. You have to go right. for it. Like, you have to switch things up here. So, yeah, I mean, it, gets, it brings back to your point of just coaching, man, just coaching, coaching, coaching. And, yes, the players, not all, sometimes, a lot of times, players don't execute. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times, it's like even when you have majority of people looking at this game, majority of analysts even coming out and saying, when I watch this game back, yeah, the players made some mistakes, but they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. It's just, it blows my mind, and I think during the bye week then, that brings me to my even answering the question that I even brought up of what they should do during the bye week, expand it. Expand, the, just if it's the, the defensive, at least expand the, the playbook or something because it's either we're going to play off coverage, let everything underneath happen, and then come up and tackle, maybe miss one or two tackles every other drive, and we'll let that happen. Ben, don't break. Or we're going to bring the house and let's see if we can get to him in time. It's like those are the only two defenses. And again, I know that there's plenty of other defenses they run, but it's just like those are the two most prominent ones, the two most ones that we they run in the biggest situations all the time. Whether it's there's a minute and 52 left and you're up and they're going to play off coverage and just let them come down the field time after time. Because after they scored at 152, I actually said they are – when they were on that last drive against the Eagles, before they scored, there was three minutes left, and I was like, they're moving, they're taking too much time off the clock. Yeah. Because they weren't going to get in the end zone with 10 seconds left. We knew everybody right. knew that, and what did they do? They got 152 left, and what happened? They were able to drive down in plenty of time and go down and tie this game up, and then you don't even go for it in 20 seconds left. So for me, it's just expand the playbook a little bit, at least in key situ- critical situations. Critical situations yeah. expand it because it's the same. I know we're going thing. over. I know we're going over time a little here. Yeah, One good. thing I want to mention: um, it 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 seems like Sean, and it's very cliche of like Sean McDermott plays not to win but to not lose, right? Um, he's not aggressive enough or doesn't trust his guys enough or whatever. Uh, to me, it's like in, in the overtime was in in the final drive when Elliott kicks that bonkers field goal but those two drives it's like he almost expects some wild variable to happen and it almost did like Dotson knocking the ball out of AJ Brown's hands if AJ Brown takes maybe one more step if that play lasts like a half a second more like that's an actual fumble like he almost just hopes something like that'll happen the tip pass that's intercepted like some wild variable that never happens or rarely happens I should say uh he he expects that to happen more or that's more likely than his guys actually doing something 
aggressive, making a play, like do like closing out a game, getting a sack, doing something that is actually tangible that happens more often than these fluky getting the ball to bounce right kind of plays. Um, what he does is he shrinks his mark to me. He shrinks his margin of error so greatly he, where he lets these guys, the opposition opposing offense, drive down the field where his defense now has to play perfect, has to play perfect where they can make no mistakes whatsoever or they're losing the game. And we saw that, right? Like they made a huge mistake and Jordan or Jalen Hurts walks into the end zone. It's like when you are asking them to go 80 yards, like you can start to play aggressive because you have the liberty to make a mistake and it's not going to come back to bite you as bad as a mistake in the red zone. Like he just lets these guys march down the field, a get the momentum and B just shrink the margin of error so much where it's almost gone. Like it, it's mind boggling to me how, how he does that. And quite frankly, drives me nuts. And I think you made a great point a couple minutes ago of like, if we know what's happening, like you, your guaranteed know that like an NFL team knows what's happening. Uh, I, I I thought that was a great point because there are many times throughout the week where I Tony Romo style be like, ding, bing, bang, boom, this is could happen or is most likely to happen. And I usually throw my hat and this is like one of the few straight brimmed hats I have out of the 25 I do because everyone else has been thrown on the ground and the brim is bent or curved in any way but i say multiple times throughout the game if like if i know that's gonna happen why don't you sean <laughs> like, so that's yeah. a, i think that was a great point because uh you know we play armchair gm and you know like more times than we probably should as fans but sometimes we're right like dorsey's not good at this we were right with like some, sometimes we're right with this stuff and i wish the coaches would kind of take into the, the fan base opinion a little more <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's rough when you have fans not talking about the players, but talking about the decision making. That's when it's come becomes out tough. Is you know, you, everybody's always going to say, you know, yeah, players could have done better. They always can do better. I mean, sure. you, no no player is perfect. Tom Brady, who won seven Super Bowls, is not perfect. You know, Aaron Rodgers is not perfect. One it, one player is perfect on our show. Who and is that's it? Khalil Shakir? Hashtag Khalil Shakir. He Wolf. Can never do no wrong. Hashtag he will. And I will say, actually, shout out Reed Ferguson as well. I'm going to knock on wood because I brought it up a couple months ago. He's also kind of perfect, I guess. Long snapping. He's never never botched a snap. That's a good point. In, he might be I the most important player on the team. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe you know, maybe we'll have to see if he wants to hop on one of these days and we'll, we'll ask him about the just him being the only technical perfect player in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it, it's pretty rough when you have players – <laughs> and, well, it's pretty rough. I think when you have though, like, um, when you have when you have these fans saying, "Well, no, it's the coaching night," which at the time, when ninety percent, because everybody's gonna every game, there's gonna be coaching decisions that you question. There's gonna be players that you question on what they were doing in certain situations. But when it's game after game after game after game after game, thirteen games now or twelve games deep now, and it's seems like every game the jets game yes that might have been the only one where i didn't see people saying it was it was the coaching and then yes that was abysmal by josh allen but every other game it's been okay well yeah the players didn't play great at some points but what would why were they put in this position in the first place that's what people are asking so i think the bye week i guess to to sum it all up just fix the little things that you know you should not have, should not be happening. 
Yeah. It's just, it blows my mind that we st- we continue to talk about the same things happening over and over again. And I think that's where now people are starting to get sick of the Sean McDermott era of it is the same things we're talking about over and over and over that's again. Failing to finish games, failing to do, not get penalties, failing to just be consistent. Like I, like I said earlier, it's just, that's when I think fans are starting to get upset. Now I think there's definitely some some overreaction saying that he needs to go tomorrow. Like, no, he finished the year with him. Let's see how the year finishes here. NFL's a long season. Um, and just, you know, just some of the other things that I've seen about, you know, as soon as Sean McDermott, it's gonna, it's like it's gonna be all gone. It's gonna be perfect now. Well, that's that's not usually how it goes. There's usually bumps and bruises along the way. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bills, for all we know, they could they could make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. And then we're all going to be looking back like, well, imagine if we fired Sean McDermott week 13. Um, now, do I expect that to happen? No, um, I don't. <laughs> I do not expect the Bills to run the table and win the Super Bowl. But if they do, we could look back at this and say, well, we were we were wrong on Sean McDermott. But Let's get in. definitely on Let's the hot get seat. Anything could happen. He's definitely on the hot seat a little bit. I'm in the middle. I think, like you said, you're in the middle as well. We're just, it's a tough, tough conversation with a guy who's been so successful. He's turned this franchise around since, since he's got in here. He's been a huge part of this team, huge part of this culture, huge part of just this city. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. Any last thought before we, you know, hop off tonight and, um, you know, get ready for another week coming up and games tomorrow? Yeah, real quick. Uh, I, Doug just put in the comments about how we should give them a break. Well, I don't think we're saying like Sean McDermott's defense is bad. I think it is overperformed with the amount of injuries to core key players. Uh, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, Davis White, to name a few, obviously. Um, and of course, the lack of like the one and true closer that was that was Von Miller last year. Um, at, a la the Chiefs game last year when he made that final play to close out that game. Um, I think it's more to me, and, and I can't speak for you, obviously, Ben, but it's more to me of like, regardless of who's out there, yes, injuries decimate a team and uh, can hurt a team and, and change the course of, of the way the team plays. But regardless of who's out there, it to me, it's putting these players in ideal situations or the situations where they have the most success or potentially have the most success. And that's where I think Sean McDermott's faulting or faltering a little is he's not putting these players in positions where they can have success. Yes. It's on them to go out there and execute these plays. But again, you mentioned like the Broncos game doing two jailbreak blitzes in a row. It's like, is that really putting these guys in a successful position? Like, no. So that's it. That's my final thought, but good comment. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback off that real quick. And yes, again, Doug, you are correct. It's it's tough with these injuries. The season would probably be completely different if Matt, if Matt Milano was here. If we didn't have all these injuries with Trey White going down, it would be completely different. We probably would not be talking about this, but I, we would probably still be talking about the same things we've been talking about since the for the past four years. Which is like we, like we've kind of been saying with Sean McDermott. It's the late game collapses. It's the continuous of teams coming out and saying they knew what was coming or they just knew they were going to be able to do some certain thing against this defense or against this offense, whatever it is. It's just the same issues over and over again. No tackling, no whatever. Like It's the same. That's my issue. Again, Sean McDermott is a great coach, but is it, can he be the guy to take you over the top? That's where I'm kind of now teetering on. I don't know if he can. So we'll see if, if things change again. I, I would not be shocked if Sean McDermott leads this team to the playoffs over these last five games. Um, but 
I, again, I don't know if that changes much when it comes to getting to the playoffs, if you did get to the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. Sean McDermott's got his work cut out for him. Um, I, I think, you know, Brandon Bean's got his work cut out for him down the, down the stretch here, just getting ready, seeing if guys are going to be pulled up, pulled down. What are we going to do here? Um, especially with guys like Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, really, really struggling. Um, so we'll see what happens down the stretch. Um, got five games coming up. Bye week, tough week. Let's see if tomorrow. Enjoy some football, guys. Um, a stress-free week. Stress-free. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Stress-free week. Just Let's just have fun tomorrow. I hope you guys all have a great, great Sunday. Any last words, Matt, before we hop off here um, to everybody? Um, let them know where, when and where to watch your show and everything yeah. like that. Uh, first, thank you, Ben, for having me on. This was uh, a, a great experience. My first time off the edge uh hopefully I, I don't didn't go all the way off the edge and fall plummet to my to my demise but uh if you haven't checked our show out um please do thursday nights built in buffalo uh youtube facebook audio version comes out afterwards but uh witty not funny sports live uh, again it's a different take uh i always like to say uh whether we talk about nonsensical things or actual topics uh, we always try to put a smile on your face and give you a nice laugh or two um it, it's a different show it, it it's uh we try to be as creative as possible we do song parodies we do wild conspiracy theories and kind of it, it it's it's different it's it's one of one i don't know if there's another show out there like that so if you haven't tuned in uh, please do check it out uh promise you it's 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 not as uh it might not be as ridiculous as i'm making it out to be but <laughs> um yeah, thursday nights again uh if you haven't followed us on twitter or x uh please do we are at witty sports 716 we love following back connecting with buffalo sports fans out there if you are looking for alternative social media platforms we are on blue sky at buffalo sabers we own that so we're just waiting for our royalty check from the actual sabers uh so follow us at buffalo sabers on blue sky if you're on there <laughs> Um, and again, yeah, one more comment, one more comment. Uh, if you are just tuning in or tuned in late, it was Ben's birthday last week. So for everyone who is viewing right now, who has not hit liked, do it for Ben and his birthday. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. And I appreciate anybody that does end up liking, sharing, whatever you guys do. I just appreciate you guys all listening. I know that we here at built in buffalo we do appreciate all you guys uh thanks for the happy birthdays down there david i know i see it see that see that just came in um but yeah i mean it embarrassed you ben i'm sorry oh, no you're good you're good uh, to everybody if you do end up typing that thank you I, I do see them trust me i'm going to see see them um and speaking of the sabers by the way they are down three nothing right now so hopefully we took a little bit away from if you didn't watch the Sabres, hopefully we had you had a better time watching us than you probably would have watching them right now. Um, but Definitely. I do want to say thanks for hopping on. It was just it was a fun one, man. I mean, it was fun just just kind of talking about every, a little bit of everything here. Right? Talk talked yeah. about last week's game, talked about what's upcoming, the off season coming up, the situations going on, a little bit of everything. Um, so it was a fun one, man. I really appreciate you hopping on here. I do want to just let everybody know. Please go click Built in Buffalo right now if you're watching on YouTube. Go check out every other show. Check out Matt's show. Check out more of Off the Edge. Check out everybody's show. It's going to be great. I do know tomorrow as well, I believe at 3 o'clock, I believe, um, it's going to be a Keem. 
Akeem. If you don't know Akeem, he, he's been on the show with me a lot, uh, pretty much every week, I believe. Uh, if you don't know Akeem, though, go check out him out at, uh, on Twitter um, over at Built in Buffalo. But go t- tomorrow at 3 o'clock, since there is no Bills game. Um, he is having a live interview, so you can even pop questions in there as, with with while the interview is going on with the Buffalo Bills defensive end Jonathan or Kingsley Jonathan. I always say Jonathan Kingsley because <laughs> I always think that his last name would it's be easy Kingsley, to but, do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a live interview, so go check it out. Throw your questions in there. Uh, Akeem will, will, will pull some of them as well as some of his own questions, but it should be a good one at three o'clock. Um, yeah, what do you what do you got here, Matt? I just wanted to say, make sure that great plug there for Akeem show. Uh, if you don't know Akeem, he's the guy who's usually on the show who is way cooler than I ever could hope to be. Um, check him out 3, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, we had Kingsley on our show last year uh, when he was a rookie, and he is just a great dude. Uh, he has an awesome story. Uh, grew up in Africa and didn't even know football and recruited to play basketball and then went to just an awesome background. Uh, and all the success is well-deserved for Kingsley. Just like coming out of nowhere to even make the team this year. He's a great dude. So make sure you check out that interview. And I believe he's Syracuse football, correct? I'm double checking that, but, uh, yep, that's yeah, correct. Sir. Yeah, Syracuse football too. So kind kind of close to Buffalo. I know it's not not UB Bulls, but it's you know two and a half hours ish. So it, it should be a good one. Go check it out um, and check out every other show that we guys that we got down there. Um, we're in the final stretch, everybody. We're in the final stretch. Bye week is going to be over tomorrow. So back to work Monday for the Bills and for everybody else. So it's going to be a fun one. It's getting cold outside. Let's see if the Buffalo Bills can take advantage of anybody coming here in the cold and just take advantage of this stretch down the season. Hopefully they can get hot down the stretch. So we'll see what goes on there. So um, again, Matt, thanks for joining everybody in the comments, everybody just even watching. We appreciate you. You guys were awesome. Some great comments to everybody. Um, hope to see you guys back here next week, Saturday, seven o'clock. We'll see who's on. Maybe it's, maybe it's Matt, maybe it's Akeem. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe it's even Brandon Bean. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. Be, be sure He's at a little better. If it's Brandon Bean, that's a big get. No, it, it, it won't be Brandon Bean. I'll let everybody know that right now. But who knows? Uh, it'll be we'll Brandon Bean without the E. Yeah, it could be Brandon Bean without the E. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> take up too much of everybody else's time. But uh, we'll see what happens. Thank you again for everybody tuning in. As always, though, go Bills, go Buffalo. Have a great rest of your night, everybody, and have a great Sunday. Go Bills.